Welcome to the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor podcast, LaughBox. We have multiple hosts and multiple guests and multiple ways to think out of the box using humor. LaughBox is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com. Join us for episode 114 with Jim Bob Williams, Katie B, and special guest Steve Wilson of the World Laughter Tour. Yay! Welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. I'm Jim Bob Williams. And I'm Katie B. And today our very special guest is Steve Wilson. So Steve, you've got a long list of credits in the field of therapeutic humor and laughter yoga. So uh, tell us about the World Laughter Tour. Sure. The World Laughter Tour started as a result of invited to go to India, do some talks about topics that they felt would be interested. It was a foundation that invited me and a bunch of speakers. And I was the first one. I was kicking off a lecture series. And one of my topics at that time, this is 1998, was putting humor to work. A great way to open their series of speakers, going to India and going to four different cities to bring this information to them. They were interested to bring, the foundation was called Indus, I-N-D-U-S, India, United States. And I think the foundation may still exist. As it turned out, I was the only speaker that got to go to India and deliver these talks. But instead of going to four cities, they had me in two cities doing day-long workshops. And when I saw what was going on, which was very different than what we were used to in, I'll say the United States, but probably the Western Hemisphere for sure, I came back enthused and I came back to a conference, an AATH summer conference was going on. Karen Buxman was the president or program chairman that year. I'm not sure what. What do you think? Can you squeeze me into the agenda and we can show everybody at the conference, you know, what I, what I saw there. And she said, great, let's do it. And that was the introduction of laughter clubs and therapeutic laughter. And I said to Karen, we, we really should create something that could further these ideas. This is fascinating. This is very interesting. And she said, great, let's do it. We put some dollars together, the two of us, and we drove around, maybe at a lunchtime somewhere. I remember driving around in the car. What are we going to call it? What are we going to do? How do these things get created? And we decided that with the advent of the internet, Internet was only a few years old then, and uh, we could, but we could connect to the world. I, I had already been connecting to people around the world on the idea of humor and laughter, and we decided to call it the World Laughter Tour. So we named it Having Lunch in the Car Driving. And we said, let's call it World Laughter Tour. And it got started. That was 1998, 1999. Pam and I, for the next year, we announced that we were going to bring Dr. Kataria to the United States to show this thing called Laughter Yoga. What the heck is this 
laughter yoga thing, but we thought it was worthwhile to introduce it. And we offered to bring lectures and we set up, ended up with a teen city lecture tour that I was able to arrange with, primarily with members of AATH. Oh, could you come here? Could you come here? And we said, okay. And we charged $3,000 for a lecture and we split the money with Kataria so that he could go back. We saw how poor, how terrible conditions. And uh, he and his wife came in the summer of 1999. They lived with Pam and I for seven weeks. That was tough, having people live in our house and traveling, getting to the 14 cities. Laughter, yoga, or therapeutic humor. Would people who had come to a talk like that, how would they react to this idea of these activities that were going on called laughter exercises? And how would the media treat this? And I think we got an A plus on both scores. People came, people seemed to love it, at least the ones who were attracted to the topic. Very kind. I was concerned in those days that they would think this is some kooky, crazy thing coming out of India, some ancient Far Eastern spiritual religious thing. And no, they didn't do that. Uh, we were able to give it a scientific kind of overlay. We knew a little bit about Norman Cousins and, and, and Lee Burke and Bill Fry and some of the science that was starting, some of the good science was finally starting to be done. And they took us seriously. And we went all over the place. Karen came with us on a few of those uh, expeditions, but basically it was me and Pam and Kataria and his wife. We were sent to be able to send him back with some money to get his mission, you know, a little bit more financing. And we said, we're going to have this thing called the World Laughter Tour. And we started inventing it. Putting humor to work at work was one of my topics that I was okay. known for. Okay. And that's why I was on a list of people that got faxes from the Indus Foundation. They said, we're going to put on a lecture series for businesses and we need people with these topics, these expertise. Well, the list was what I call the hard side of business. It was sales, marketing, personnel, operations, those kind of, and humor was the only non-traditional kind of thing that was on there. And I think they decided I'd be the warm-up act. Let's get the comic, let's get the funny guy in first, then they'll sell tickets for the rest of the lecture series. And there was no further lecture series. But Pam and I realized that we went to India on what we called the Ponce de Leon program. Do you know, either of you? I heard about, you said Ponce de Leon program and do, do you know who Ponce de Leon was? Oh, yes, who he is, yes. Well, well, what would you call him? He was a conquistador who searched for the fountain of youth. Yes. Yes, he, yes. Was, he was an explorer, and he was looking for the fountain of youth. And do you know where he thought he would find it? In the Caribbean Florida. or India. In he thought Florida. He... Oh, well, St. Augustine. And do you know what his wife said to him? What? You think you're going to Miami without me? <laughs> and that's how Pam got to go to India with me, because they <laughs> sent me... Uh, my own first class airfare ticket. They were going to pick up all expenses, no speaking fees, but they picked up all expenses and they sent me a first class ticket. Wow. And Pam said, hey, you think you're going to India without me? <laughs> and I told them I need two tickets and they told me I could cash in my ticket. I would get two business class tickets and that's what we did and that's how we went. So Steve, can you tell us about life before laughter yoga and how you arrived at laughter yoga yourself? I never arrived at laughter yoga myself. What did you do before the World I, Laughter I, Tour? I, let me see how I can organize my thinking on this. I was a psychotherapist. 
in private practice. I had been a teacher, an educator. I had run treatment programs. My expertise in treatment that I wanted to know about and came in handy for me was uh, had a lot to do with a concept called therapeutic community. Residential treatment that the living in that facility was would be therapeutic. How you would create programming and living con conditions and interactions. So I had been studying this concept called therapeutic community. And that meant that I had to know a lot about a thing called activity therapy. Music therapy and activity therapy were about the only non-traditional therapies that people were doing in those days. And I learned as much as I could about those things. In my private practice, I had contracts. I'm here in Columbus, Ohio. And I had contracts uh, with a company that ran a couple of dozen community-based facilities, group homes for mentally retarded adults. Now we call them people with developmental disabilities. I got new, you know, jargon for that. And I was doing uh, assessments and doing some social and emotional programming for those residents. So that's that's what I was about. And then in 1984, I got a brochure from a man named Joel Goodman, who was just starting something called the Humor Project. And the brochure said there's going to be, he's going to run a weekend workshop in Chicago. And here's who ought to come. It's going to be about putting humor, something about the benefits of humor. I forget the exact title of it, but it was about humor. Now, I've been going to continuing education all along, but it was for psychologists. So the courses I've been taking were on ethics, suicide, mental illness, uh, family problems, criminal crime and things. And here came this brochure, so it's going to be about humor. Well, that, that's in my blood. I didn't, I've been attracted to entertaining people and had discovered I had a knack for remembering and telling jokes when I was a little boy. And it runs through my whole life. And I said to Pam, we're going to Chicago. This is about humor. Sounds could be fun. Never heard of anything like this before. And we went and we, maybe uh, 40 people came to that weekend workshop in the hotel. We never left the hotel. Joel Goodman held forth for three days from Friday night to Sunday night. Intensive, extensive, fast. His ideas and his takes on what could happen. It was as if the sky opened up and a voice said, Steve, you need to do this. And I was called. This is a calling. I felt so moved. I came back from that workshop, started buying books. There was very little. There was very, hardly any literature available. Not much published, not much. There was no internet. There was no Google. There was no way to search for things. And uh, I wanted to learn about it. And I knew this was the right thing. I was in March. In August, so, I'm, so I'm, now I'm back with my private practice, which is very successful. I have a group practice, 15 therapists, Ohio Professional Counseling Services, we called it. And we're, we're delivering psychological services to all kinds of people. But I came back and immersed myself in studying about what is there to know about humor? What is this thing? What's going on? So how did your peers of psychology and counseling uh, take it when you came back and said, hey, here's an application of humor that could they, they were not, they were never interested. I offered to go to Ohio Psychological Association conferences to teach them, to show them what I had learned, to show them this new opportunity that was interesting. And they never, I, and I followed along till I 
for any conference that they ever ran. So I'm very disappointed in those people. Now, maybe there, I know there are others. I know there are psychologists who get it, but that it was, there was no reception here for me, for what we wanted to do, what we offered to show them. Joel Goodman is fantastic. One of the best teacher I've ever known. He knows how to teach. He gets all this stuff. And he has, I spoke to him recently. He's, he has had 55 international conferences on this topic. He has appeared on every continent. It just fascinating. And he was my mentor, my inspirer, someone I wanted to emulate and I knew I could learn from. So it's 84, March, we went to Chicago. And in August, I got a phone call from a woman who said she was the program chairman for a support group for cancer patients and their families at the Columbus Cancer Clinic. And she heard that I speak. I said, yeah, her name was Scotty. I said, I wonder if your folks would be interested in it. What's that? I never tried to deliver it to anybody. I said, do you think that folks would go for it? Well, she knew that I did what I did those days. She said, okay, well, how about October? Could you come in October? And uh, it's the last Thursday in October, and, and it's uh, cancer patients and their families. And I put in bubble soap and stuff in a box, and I went and I spoke to that group. And the reception was fantastic. One of the things that happened that cemented me into this mission, into this, they were all kind. They went around the room and introduced themselves. And they got to a guy, he says, my name is Lester, and I am pissed off. Lester, why are you pissed off? He says, I have cancer of the liver. And my doctor told me I had six months to live. And that was a year ago. And I gave away my winter coat. And they laughed their heads off. Lester is joking about cancer of the liver, and I'm feeling saved. I'm feeling, oh my gosh, people, wow, look how people are reacting. There was a woman who had a brain tumor removed. She's there with her family, a 17-year-old kid with lymphoma, and he's on chemo, and all these things, and they loved it. They loved the idea, and they're laughing. In, in the midst of it, there's a knock on the door. The door flies open, to, and a woman sticks her head in the room. She says, I'm trying to run a support group next door. And I thought, oh, see, does that we get in trouble? She said, my group wants to come and be with your group. <laughs> All the group of people filed in. I only had maybe another 10 minutes, but we finished up, and it's coffee and cookies, and we're talking. And it'd be, I, I started to close my therapy. Uh, and somebody said, you know, there's a thing called AATH. There's an organization. It's the Association for Applied and Therapeutic. It's the American. They changed their name. It was the American Association for Therapeutic Humor. I said, wow, that sounds great. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to join that. What got there? And, and who's there? If anybody remembers Patty, fabulous contributor to what we do. Patty Wooten? Yes. She did. She had two characters, clown characters, but in nursing costumes. And she delivered compassionate laughter. And she wrote a book, The Handbook of Hospital Clowning. I have that book. It's fabulous. Yes, there it is. That's right. And Patty, so I met, so here's Patty Wooten. It's deep into this stuff. Here's another guy there. His name is Bill Fry. He's a psychiatrist from Stanford University. And... It turns out, and then who shows up? Lee Burke, Don Martin, C.W. Metcalf, the most amazing. I am so privileged. I'm so honored to have 
come under the influence of these people. These are the groundbreaking people in what I call the modern era of therapeutic humor. And I mark that myself with the publication of Norman Cousins' book. And Norman Cousins, off of the sale of his book and from other sources, he was, he was a great fundraiser and great humanitarian and a very smart guy and loved humor. But he hired two people. He wanted some research. He wanted scientific research to be done to figure out why did humor really have anything to do with his recovery from what should have been a fatal illness. And he hired Lee Burke and Bill to design some studies. So I call that the advent of the modern era of therapeutic humor. That's where I mark it. And I got to know these people. And AATH has given the uh, annual, whatever, one of their awards to Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. Why? Because Jerry Lewis is hooked up with Cliff Kuhn. Kuhn is a psychiatrist in Louisville, a member of AATH, and a humor, a therapeutic humor guy. And the two of them are going around to medical schools lecturing to medical school students about the possibility that humor could be therapeutic for the patients. And so it, it was remarkable. The hallways, I, I, those conferences, it was jugglers and clowns and nuns and chaplains, or doctors and nurses and magicians. So you had jugglers and magicians and it was like a what? Three ring circus. Three ring circus. And what was the name of Norman Cousins' book? Anatomy of an Illness. Did you close your practice and then become a public speaker? Is that what happened? I realized that, as I said, somebody told me you could get paid to speak. And um, it just came naturally to me. I've been a teacher. I've been a speaker. I had been an actor. I've always been entertaining. I've been a magician. I've been a folk singer. So that that. that that runs through my life entertaining and, and telling never doing stand-up i don't do stand-up i don't it makes me too nervous i don't like it but i will tell jokes you know in an elevator hey did you hear the one about uh, that kind of thing uh did you it, did you say you were a folk music a folk, champion a no yo-yo champion a yo-yo champion so you did folk music and you were a yo-yo channel. Later became a folk singer in the okay. folk revival. Okay. People were doing things, groups singing things called hootenannies. We were getting together and there was a great interest in folk music. Fabulous. Folk music is fabulous. And uh, so I learned to play the guitar and I had a repertoire. Uh, I was a psychologist for a while. I was a psychologist at the Ohio Reformatory for Women and with no background in prisons, but a great mentor because the woman who was in charge of that facility had a law degree and a social work degree. And she took me under her wing and she taught me and she gave me opportunities to try things. She was willing to be inventive and, and, and creative. I was leading folk singing anyway. Part of what I did. Yeah, I did all that kind of thing. And somehow, without advertising, without marketing, without the internet and all that kind of stuff, I started to get requests for speaking. Could you come and talk to our group? It starts out with the local, the Lions Club, the Kiwanis, and could you come at lunchtime? And you got 15 minutes to tell us everything about humor. And then I joined National Speakers Association who have had that career, to have had that opportunity. And we've traveled around the world with it. Want to be an influence to bring this to people. Oh, you're an influence, all right. 
hope so. I'm sorry. Oh. oh, yes, you are. Good. Good. We have, uh, so we started the World Laughter Tour. Uh, I had been, I was the chairman of the Department of Mental Health Technology at the Community College here in Columbus about curriculum design, how to teach people things. Uh, and, and I continued in my private practice uh, where I had these contracts with the group homes. I hired a music therapist who did music therapy with people with developmental disabilities. And I sat in, I wanted to learn how to do that. What is she doing? How's it? They loved it. They loved it. And then when I got into the humor thing, I would go to the music therapy class and I would pass out clown noses. And the way I did it was I would just put one on myself. That's why I never didn't say anything. They'd be doing their music, singing, whatever she was leading. And I just put on a clown and somebody would giggle. And I would gesture, you, you want one? You want you want one? And I'd have one in my pocket. And I'd pay, yeah. Next thing you know, everybody's got a clown nose on. And we're singing and we're laughing and they're loving it. And I saw the potential to influence human happiness, health, and even peace. There's, there's an aspect of this where we can influence peace in the world. Well, that's my mission. That 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 became the mission. And that's what I did. I'm giving you bits and pieces. You guide me here with what you would like to talk about. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Jim Bob. Uh, Jim Bob has a question. And I actually, I just want to hear and I want to capture the uh, you know the history and the background there. I'm a history buff, and I'll say this: if I won the lottery. I would commission Ken Burns to do a documentary, a nine-part documentary on therapeutic humor, because I think there's just so much there. There's so many different threads which come together, and it needs to be captured. With you, I think there should be a Hall of Fame for the uh, people that have... We're standing on a lot of shoulders. I uh, have long held the idea that I don't need to invent anything on this topic. I... It just so many people have already been inventive and visionary. If I could advance some of their ideas, I'd be very happy. There's there's a lot of good things that happened early on. But let's explore the topic of peace there. It's uh, obviously very important to you. Are we asking too much of a clown nose to bring about world peace? Um, okay, here's what I came up with. Uh, I saw that Therapeutic humor. Therapeutic humor had three... Pillars. Pillars, thank you. That seemed to me. And the three pillars are, one is knowledge and theory. Second is skills. Third is values and attitudes. And to be uh, effective uh, in this field, you need to to be competent in those three areas. Uh, There was very little knowledge and theory in the the, the, call it the early days. So Steve, you're talking about Dr. Kataria and what I understand from his work was he started laughter yoga concepts by telling jokes with his wife and discovered that the jokes weren't the thing that were doing it. Okay. That may be, I hadn't heard that story. Okay. Okay. And you were talking about Kataria, so please continue. Well, it occurred to me that maybe he wasn't very good at telling jokes. And, and so it was good to create an, a, a strategy that says no jokes. Uh, but uh, it was fascinating to think about without the, the human beings laugh. 
without conventional comedy. And I've come to believe, and I'll, I'll insert this now at some point, maybe we'll get back to it. Uh, humor, let me see how I can say this. Funny is not in the material. Funny or not funny. It's not funny. If there's no human mind to receive whatever that is, there's nothing funny. Yeah. I think that funny is something that happens in the human mind. The quality of funniness is not in the joke, is not in the material, is not in the skit, is not in the acting, is not in the song. The funniness happens inside a human being. That's funny. But it's not funny in general. It's funny to them. It's not laughter. That's, believe it or not, I'm going to go on record as saying that. It's what triggers the laughter. The physical act of laughing seems to be part of the response to the human brain that says, oh, that's funny to me. And then I have this physical thing with the diaphragm and the lungs and the heart and the cardiovascular. And I smile and I get So it's what brings that. It's what triggers that. A lot of uh, people writing... Uh, a few good science, Wilson's opinion, a few good scientific studies, lots of studies and lots of opinions presented as findings. So it's very confusing. When, when I offered the first workshop to be a certified laughter leader, it was in July. It was going to be held in July of 2000. It was the first time that I'm aware of anybody had an opportunity to get any kind of education or let alone training. Diana Mahoney came from Brigham Young University. She had a thesis on humor, and she had written a paper, which I commend to you. You can find it. It's very much available. Is laughter the best medicine or any medicine at all? She raised that as an award-winning paper that she wrote in 2000 or somewhere around that. And she came to see what I was doing. She came to tell me is grabbing hold of Norman Cousins' ideas and distorting them, exaggerating them and giving out wrong information. Don't get caught up in that. She came from Hawaii to tell me that uh, and, and shared the paper. I don't know why I shared the paper with all my classes. Very interesting analysis uh, why we need to be careful about what we read. Bob Provine. Bob Provine wrote the book, Laughter, a Scientific Investigation, which, so Bob writes a book called Laughter, a Scientific Investigation. To my mind, he wrote it. It was published around 2000, 2001. Still the best book on the topic. Uh, the two of those, amazing. Uh, and I haven't seen anything really that I think is, is better, especially if people want to get started in this or begin this or even go deeper with it. Uh, Provine spoke, uh, and Lee Burke is publishing a, a study here and there. Sparse. Humor... Maybe uh, I'm trying to get this world laughter tour going. I'm running some classes. In 2000, I had two training classes, July and December, and we got more. 7,000 people have taken my course. So I don't know how so at all. When you certify a laughter leader, what does that mean? That's what they want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the difference between a laughter leader and a laughter yogi? question is asked a lot. Laughter yoga has its own ideas, a, a yogic approach to humor and laughter. I don't know how to explain it better. I think mine is a more psychological and scientific. Kataria comes from a yogic community. 
and cultures, 5,000 years old. Wilson comes from the Western world, psychology, science, those kinds of things. So when I said the three pillars, what I think people need to know in order to help deliver this and influence others to a better life, to health, happiness, and peace through laughter and humor. That's one of the differences. Laughter yoga, I don't know where they are these days, but for many years, and when I, Katari and I were hashing it out in the early days, he wanted nothing to do with humor. Fascinating. I, I can't eliminate that. I'm incorporating that. So I'm putting together professionals. So I knew what they needed ideas about what how this could be helpful. At the community college, my students honored me by creating a scholarship fund in my name. It started out with $500 to help students. And I, that was, it all was entangled with uh, going to Chicago and meeting Joel Goodman and coming back and saying, I know how we could raise money for the scholarship fund. We're going to run humor workshops. I could do this all day. It's so much fun. There was a, Matt Weinstein, Joel Goodman, out on the West Coast, a humanistic arm of who knows what, and they were doing fun stuff. And I said, we can do, and so we, I started raising money for my scholarship fund. And we've given, I think over the years, 60 scholarships. We started out giving a few bucks to people. We didn't have much, but we ended up, my scholarship fund now, three or four students a year, get all their tuition paid at the community college, their books, their parking. We pay all their fees. Say, you be a good student. We'll pay the fees. And, and, and it evolved to that. So if someone were to go get a doctorate that relates to humor in any way, and, and have you seen the science of happiness from Yale? And you, do you know about the uh, people doing investigations at Harvard? I'm sure I've come across it, but see, happiness, that's an interesting topic. What does this have to do with happiness? What is happiness? And, and what does humor and laughter have to do with it? Okay, Bob Provine said, finally, when he looked at all the science that was available in those days, all the science, what he did with his students uh, to study uh, humor and laughter, he said, until the scientists get it all figured out, get all the laughs you can. That's one of the best guiding <laughs> principles for all of us. And I don't care how you get the laughs. I love it. If it's from humor and jokes, if it's from joy, it's probably not going to hurt too much. Now, the laughter has no side effects, but it does. That's not correct. In fact, laughter, the emotions that go with that laughter, if it's too sudden and too fast, have been known to trigger things like asthma attacks but then we have out in lake tahoe called humor in the hills we invited bill fry the world's first geolithologist to come and teach us and it was amazing and, and he said that he had done his studies on cardiac patients and he said here's something that's important humor and what he called he coined the term true mirthful laughter very important True mirthful laughter comes with a sparing effect for the cardiac patient. Wow. Wow. It was here. We said, no jokes. You can't have comedy. You can't do. Mm. And I'm saying that, what? We, you know, I don't teach people how to tell jokes. I don't know how to teach somebody to be funny. But I think we can teach people because Joel Goodman taught me how to see funny, yeah. how, how to appreciate funny. Right. Okay, peace. Let's go back to peace real quickly. A metaphor. 
that I borrowed from him and I apply in my classes and talk to people who are studying humor and laughter. He said this, he asked this question, if you squeeze an orange, what comes out of it? I'm going to ask you guys, squeeze an orange, what comes out? Juice. You don't get milk. You don't get watermelon juice. You get orange juice. Why does orange juice come out of an orange? Because that's what's in there. Look at the world. You see violence, you see war, you see hatred, you see prejudice. Why is that coming out of people? Because that's what's in there. If we could, maybe. Feel different inside. Maybe that could come out. If we could feel different inside. When they are under stress and tension and pressure, maybe something they would have an option. And I came up with this concept called good-hearted living, six practices that I call attitudinal healing. Uh, if you can, you can learn to, to practice six attitudes that I think will help you feel happier, be it have less stress, get along better with other people. And it's very, it's simple, not always easy, but we don't preach it and, and it, or anything. We just say, look, Paying compliments is a practice. It's the antidote for looking for what's wrong and being critical and judgmental. The per- person who can't bend snaps, cracks under pressure. Mm-hmm. And you practice being flexible. We can unpack that. We teach that. A, a, one of my certified laughter leaders can teach that. These days is for gratitude. What are you thankful for? Gratitude is the antidote for self-pity and despair. You can learn kindness can be so simple it's something you can do right now makes another person's life a little bit easier mm-hmm. and it's very immediate and doesn't cost anything doesn't take a lot of time just start just practice kind being kind fridays are for forgiveness uh, ancient wisdom says that when uh, friday was established as the beginning of a sabbath that the instruction was do not go into the sabbath angry so Fridays became a good day to, to practice forgiveness. And what is forgiveness? Letting go of anger, finding a way to the resentment that you're, the baggage that you carry. And so the weekends in my program of good-hearted living are sweet things in life may come your way accidentally, but you can make them happen. You can put them on the calendar. What do you like? You want to wash the dog? You want to take the kids out? You have a picnic, you want to go for a ride, you want to read a book, you want to take a bath, you want to take a nap, what? Sure, yeah. So there's six practices, uh, good-hearted living, and that's the attitude part. If people have to change their attitude, it's not just getting jokes. It's not just laughing. It's how you look at the world. You know, one of the the, uh, favorite and, and I think kind of a classic example or way we teach sometimes about what is humor. Uh, the psychology of humor. Humor creates something that's called psychological distance from problems, if we can find the lighter side of it. Joel Goodman's definition of humor was the or less serious element in a situation. The abil- It's an ability. That means it's a skill. It means you can learn it. It's a way of perceiving. It's a way of being willing to look at things. It means that all that anything that happens in life has many aspects to it. And we can look at all the financial spirit, and some of them are less serious. They're not all equally serious. And give ourselves permission to spend a little time on the less serious part of the situation. Maybe you'll get a chuckle. Maybe you'll get a giggle. 
And these things we now know are associated with stress reduction. Lee Burke talking about the reduction of cortisol and, and hormones. And, and, and I know I'm doing, uh, by the way, there was a point at which in the early days, I was getting started and it was very exciting and I'm meeting all these people. And uh, I get a phone call. This is Steve Wilson, World Laughter Tour. Hi, my name is Lee Burke. Do you happen to know who I am? <laughs> Lee Burke is calling me. He says, I called you because I see what you're doing. I've been watching what you're up to. And I called to tell you, don't ever get discouraged because you're doing the right thing. Wow. Lee Burke is calling yeah. me, telling me not to get discouraged. I'm a, I'm a, we're colleagues now. Wow. He wants to support me. He said, how can I help you? I said, I'm thinking I want to put together a professional advisory committee. I, I don't know everything. I can't learn everything. I need help. I need people who really, you know, know what they're doing. He said, put me on it. So he was the mm. first member of my professional advisory. Patty Wooten became the third member. And I was blessed to know their expertise to help me figure out what the, what, what directions. And after a couple of workshops, uh, people weren't coming. And I said, so, no, some, some, well, something's happening here. Why aren't people coming? In, coming? And then I thought about one of my favorite analogies is the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. What did the lion want? You remember? A heart. Heart. Did the wizard give him a heart? No. No. What did he give him? I can't remember. Okay. Like, in, like it's heart's beating. Do you remember the Tin Man, what the Tin Man wanted? Brain. Tin yeah. Man... Yeah, the scarecrow is the brain, and oh, he got right. a diploma. The, the, the lion wanted courage. Oh, I'm sorry, you're he right. Got a medal. The tin man wanted a heart, and the scarecrow wanted a, a brain. brain. But the wizard doesn't give him a brain. The wizard gives him a diploma. Yeah. Right. And that's. And the diploma is what? It's a diploma. That's what people want. That's what, we got to give a certificate to laughter to people who come to learn laughter, hmm. and when you certify. Man, we we live in a culture that certifies nail technicians. Yes. Yep, man, we want that. Let's make a certificate. And now that was born the certified laughter leader. And a year or so later, when Kataria heard about it, he said, oh, I'm going to have certified laughter yoga leaders. And he came. I ran a conference, an international conference on laughter. Uh, I think it was 2003 in Kissimmee, Florida. I did him. Uh, and he came to it. And I said to him, uh, please be careful with some of the language that you're using because it's going to confuse people in the market. People don't know the difference. What is it? You know, and it, it can be two different, all kinds of ways to get at humor and laughter. But we ended up, I think we had a, a, a falling out his way. That's what it seemed to me. And there was a woman, I think she was maybe, might have been a, a comedian who came to give a talk at AATH one year. <laughs> And she addressed us in the audience as the laughing army. And I love that idea. That's what it's going to take. There's a laughing army. Some are members of an organization. Many are not. There's all kinds of ways to be in the laughing army. And it's going to take all of us. So uh, can, I, can I take you back uh, briefly? Yes. Uh, sure, sure. What, what are the six practice attitudes? Just briefly listed, if you don't mind. I call it attitudes psychiatrist named Gerald Jampolsky, uh, who worked with uh, helping children who had lost their parents to mm -hmm. violence. But he called, he coined the term attitudinal healing. I like that. 
Uh, the six practices are paying compliments, being flexible, being grateful, being kind, being forgiving, and chocolate. Putting sweet things in your life. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right. All right. And by I'm, the I'm, way, I, that is uh, summarized. I wrote a little book about it, but I, I sub, it's summarized in one page. And over the years, I've had it translated into about 40 different languages. Anybody speak Spanish, Finnish, German, French, Dutch, Swahili. It, it's amazing. And I just had it translated into Ukrainian. Give it away. Give it away. We all have to give it. Sow the seeds of peace. Yes, that's brilliant. Well, yeah. Not bad for a little guy from Ohio, huh? It's a Jewish boy from Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a Jewish boy from Brooklyn. But anyway, that question, because uh, this is, it, it inspired me. As I'm listening to you talk, I would have just have loved to have a, a tape recorder or video of some of your con conversations on, on your tour and some other moments that you've described. So when we do the, when we finally uh, uh, do the movie about your life, who's going to play you? Somebody very handsome, I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, Jim, I don't, I, I, I just, I don't, I really don't even think in those terms. I know that kind of idea in question. I, I think if somebody said you're going to make a movie of my life, I'd say me, mm -hmm. I'm nobody special. Mm -hmm. I just, I lucked out. I fell in. Look at this. This happened. I just, uh, somebody said recently, I like the idea when life calls, say yes. And, and again, I want to, I want to take this opportunity to thank you because uh, when I asked the question on, you know, how can humor be used to help recovery, you were very generous and sent me some resources, which I'm about to use, actually. Jim, I built a program around that idea when I, because I was involved with a lot of 12-step programs. I really believe in the 12-step uh, approach uh, to recovery. And uh, one of the things that you hear is it's never too late to have a happy childhood. That's a recovery idea. Yep. Yeah. Because adult, specifically, particularly adult children of alcoholics, one of the carefree childhood that contributes to these problems later in life. But you can recover. And I built programs around it's never too late to have a happy childhood. And adults mm -hmm. will groove to it if you present it in the right way and they'll try it out. And so many of them will, they get it. Okay. Well, I think you that answers the question I was going to ask. All right. My favorite question when I ask people about the you know, application of therapeutic humor is, okay, what should we remember about it on Thursday? When we're going through life's problems, you know, what is the one thing I can remember? And I'm thinking it's never too late to have a happy childhood is something I'm going to remember every Thursday when things get, uh, when things get down. You got it. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm so glad. Thank you for giving me the... Uh chance to be with you on this platform steve this all, we're part of the army we're just yes thanks for helping bring the army into being as as one of the founders really it's my uh, thank you're welcome it's my joy it's my pleasure i i feel so fortunate you know that's what my dad one of my dad's pieces of advice was you got to have health you got to have success and this and that but, but you know and you got to always have a little bit of luck oh yes absolutely steve we have we have a a question hanging in the air um before we say thank you and goodbye it's over here it's actually down there what happened to your foot <laughs> uh, it was a sexual mishap 
<laughs> Good answer. And I see that you're. I'll be more careful next time. <laughs> I see that you're coping with, uh, with stuffed animals and noses and. It has been wonderful. People have re come up with such jokes so corny and funny and clever, and it's helping me. So that's okay to focus on that less serious side. Look at the other sides too. I'm taking. I'm. I'm taking my own prescription. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us. And if there ever, you know, if there's ever be helpful, and what you're doing is wonderful, you are the future. You are advancing the more power to you. Thank you so much. Get Thank you very much. Yes, get let's work. get to giggling. It's time to giggle. Jiggy is good. Well, on behalf of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, we'd like to thank Steve Wilson for being with us on LaughBox. We have only scratched, I don't know if we've scratched the surface. I don't, I mean, maybe we got a few nanometers into the surface, but there's a lot more to talk about. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk more about this. So again, Steve, you're wonderful. Mm -hmm. We love you. Thank you. Takes one to know one. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us for episode 114 with Joytologist Steve Wilson, Jim Bob Williams, Katie B, and all of us here at AATH. Thank you so very much. Laugh Box is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com. This has been Laugh Box, brought to you by the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.